from the Golden State in Porterville, California, this is MMA Math. Real fighters, real fights, real discussions. With your host, Professor Diaz, and the former featherweight Bellator champion of the world and former bantamweight UFC title challenger, Joe Soto. Welcome, everyone. This is MMA Math, where the fighter meets the numbers, where we go beyond the hype and beyond the transitive property. How are you, Joe? I'm doing good. In today's episode, we take a closer look at International Fight Week, what it's like to be at the fights from both perspectives as a fan and as a fighter. We'll also specifically look at the weigh-ins, the UFC Hall of Fame, the T-Mobile Arena, and some of the reactions and thoughts on the Ben Askren knockout. We'll also look at fighter encounters, personalities, and the earthquake experience. All right, Joe. So I made the drive from SoCal, family and all, to Sin City for UFC 239. And right from the get-go, I had a very unique experience. I was about an hour from Vegas when family and friends started to check upon us because of the earthquake that hit on Thursday morning. And that one was about 90 miles from my home. So the thing is, though, we didn't feel it. We were driving. How did you guys feel it here in Porterville? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, smaller earthquake, but I, I for sure felt it. I was outside doing yard work, and I was looking at the ground, and started swaying i didn't know if i was just <laughs> hallucinating from dehydration or my eyes were bugging out on me but like, it turned out it was earthquake yeah i mean uh we were actually pretty happy we were out of town although i did keep thinking about our home uh usually when we feel an earthquake the first thing we do after it passes is i run outside and check the gas lines but in this case we were in vegas mode so we kind of just told ourselves ah someone will let us know if there's a problem so Anyway, on Friday, when we got there, uh, we went to the weigh-ins at the T-Mobile Arena. And as always, it's kind of a fun thing to do as a fan. We get to see the fighters for free. We get to size them up. We get to get fired up for the next day. It's kind of a weird thing, though. I mean, it kind of reminds me of horse racing. When you go to the stables to see if you can pick up on something before you put a big bet down. In fact, in many ways, conscious or not, that's sort of what we're doing, right? I mean... Let me ask you this, Joe. You've done many weigh-ins. How does it feel to be paraded practically naked, or naked for that matter, in front of everyone? Does it dehumanize you? How does it uh, feel from your perspective? No, I don't think I really think about it too much. I think it's a normal part of the process. You know, I kind of competed my whole life in wrestling. I always have to step on the scale in your underwear. <laughs> so I think it's just uh, part of the process, and it's kind of it's a ritual. You know, you're getting ready to compete. And it's exciting, you know, because, you know, weigh-ins are usually, you know, followed up by a wrestling match and wrestling. And so, yeah, it's just part of the process. You don't really think about it when you've been competing for so long in a sport like that. What about, like, for MMA? Like, when you're getting weighed in, what does it do to your psyche? Does it pump you up? Uh, does it bring you down? Is it just something that needs to be done, like you said? Or does it not really affect you and you're just glad it's kind of over? Well, you're just trying to get through it for, for, for the most part of it, you know, um, because you're sort of hungry and dehydrated and thirsty. But you're excited. You're feeling all types of emotions. You're feeling everything. You're anxious, excited. You're scared because your opponent's right there and he looks 10 times bigger than he probably is, you know. So uh, you're feeling, um, you just feel alive, really, because you're feeling so much so much emotion. And, and like I said, you're hungry. So you just feel alive and focused and excited. So when your opponent's in front of you, like you said, he, you said he, he looks like 10 times the size that he probably is. In that final face-off, you know, 
Are you playing mind games with your opponent? Are you thinking, I want to kill this guy? Or are you just putting on a show and, like you said, just getting through it? I think when you first start fighting early in your career, you, you know, you're trying to get into his head or you're trying to show him you're not intimidated. But I think further and further into your career, you kind of you kind of realize that Wayans don't really mean anything, you know, so you don't really get into the face-offs anymore unless you're trying to put on a show for somebody, which I never tried to, but some people are into that or some people need to work themselves up and hate the guy so they can compete better so that maybe they want to you know maybe they really do hate the guy at the way and so as far as me once I got kind of further into my career I kind of realized that I mean for me it didn't really mean anything so um yeah I didn't really have any emotion now this was a different fight week than most others on Friday uh I took my family to the hall of fame induction ceremony now this is my second hall of fame attendance I actually had to purchase tickets for this one uh, two years ago when I was there to see Uriah Faber get inducted, that one was free. But now we had to pay a little bit. Not too bad. Anyway, I had two kids with me and my expectations were not that big. I mean, I didn't think they'd make it through the whole thing. So, you know, I kind of just gave it a shot to see what happens. Regardless, right after Clay, Guida, and Diego Sanchez were inducted, my kids got hungry and that was that. I had to leave. <laughs> so I... I, I was a little bummed out in leaving early, but as, as we got out of the Pearl Theater there at the Palms, I ran into the schmo. Joe, have you ever met someone you weren't expecting, and what was that experience like? Um, I probably have. I can't really. Nothing comes to mind right now. But, yeah, I, I mean, maybe I've seen Tito Ortiz at a, at a wrestling camp before. And I remember I, actually at that time, I seen him at a wrestling tournament, and, and, you know, I had seen him. This was years ago. I think he might have been the champ or... He was going to fight Randy Couture or something like that coming up. And I think we're, you know, we're excited to see him at the wrestling tournament. I didn't, we, yeah, we didn't expect to see him there. And that was exciting because as somebody I didn't compete on TV. And at the time, Tito Ortiz was Tito Ortiz. He was huge. So that that was probably, you know, yeah, that was probably one time that I kind of remember. Well, I didn't run into someone uh, that big in MMA. <laughs> I ran into the schmo. As I was uh, walking out of the Palms Theater, I noticed uh, the schmo who does, you know, interviews with the fighters. Uh, I noticed him and he kind of saw me. I think he knew that I, I knew who he was. He was talking to somebody there and then he just kind of took a little break from, you know, whatever he was doing and he walked over and said hi. I mean, he was so gracious and he, he took a picture. He was really cool. He was, I guess he wasn't the schmo. He was like a pro. He handled it like a pro. He was really cool. Have you seen a show? Yeah, I, I, I haven't watched the whole whole thing yet. I've seen um, some of his clips on Instagram. That's pretty much where I've seen all his stuff on Instagram, the little clips here and there of him interviewing guys. Yeah, I think he's hilarious. He's, he's a pretty cool guy. Yeah, it's definitely a personality. It's cool to have all these different personalities in MMA. It brings you know, um, fans from you know different areas and attracts people to it. Yeah. Well, right after that, uh, so we met the Schmo. We went out of the Pearl Theater and... There was a food court right, you know, I don't know, 50 feet away from the Pearl Theater. And uh, I took my kids there, you know, they're at the Palms. And I said, let's, well, let's stop here and eat. You know, they're hungry. That's why we came out of the theater. And um, so my kid, I sat my, down my kids at the table and, and then, bam, the whole building rocked. Man, I, I'm, I'm a so-called resident and I felt many earthquakes before. But in this case, I was at the bottom of a high-rise building and that made it a whole new experience. The building moved. It felt like it was swaying, at least from where I was standing. It was unnerving and kind of scary. How did that one feel in Porterville? Yeah, that one was a huge one. I think we're all, I don't know if we're getting ready for bed, but we're all sitting in the living room, you know, me and my wife, two kids, and 
And we felt that one, and we're like, you know, we just fought one the day before, and 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 we were kind of trying to sit it through, wait for it to end, and it wasn't. So then me and my wife decided to take the kids and try to, you know, take some shelter underneath the table, and and we stayed there for a while, probably freaked the kids out. But it was scary. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that one was pretty powerful. You know what's kind of funny is that as soon as I felt that, I told my wife, who who's also a geologist, that I felt that it was bigger than a seven. And we kind of looked at each other for a second. I mean, we knew that if it was bigger than Thursdays the day before, it meant that the Thursday one was just a foreshock. So we were kind of like, ah, man, if that was a foreshock, then who knows if this one's also a foreshock or not. So as calmly as we could with the kids, and, and my mom was with us, so uh, we kind of played it off. said, ah, it's nothing that big, not a big deal. I got their food, we, we ate, and then we kind of just got the hell out of that hotel as soon as possible. <laughs> Yeah, and the, the cool thing is that as we walked out of the Palms, I ran into Tony Ferguson. And that guy is so cool. I mean, he was there with some friends. And being the fan that I am, I asked him for a picture. And with no hesitation, I mean, he just said, yeah, of course, man. He's, I mean, he was really cool. He even fist bumped my son. I mean, he's really cool, at least from, from my experience with him. Joe, I think you mentioned that you knew or you met uh, Tony Ferguson before. What's your experience being around the champ? Yeah, he's always been a nice guy. I think the first time I've met him, we were on the same fight card in Sacramento together. I fought for the bout against TJ, and he was fighting Danny Castillo. And, uh, you know, he was a nice guy there. And then I met him again. I think we fought on the same card actually in Mexico City when he was fighting Rafael Dos Anjos. And, um, you know, I was cutting weight, and... He seen me dying, and I was kind of cocooned up underneath some blankets and stuff and trying to get some weight off in, in my plastics. And he kind of came upstairs. I was upstairs. He was downstairs, and he, I guess he had saw me go upstairs, and he came up um, with some cold towels and put them on my head and just gave me some words of encouragement. And, and ever since then, I was like, oh, man, that guy's a real, you know, really cool guy for sure. Yeah. Coming out of his way to do that. So he's always been a nice guy. Yeah, I mean, I, I felt that. I mean, he felt like just a genuine guy. So, you know, the, the next day on Saturday, uh, we headed over to T-Mobile. And as many people, you know, I was really looking forward for, for this card. The fights looked really promising. And in this case, I had a VIP table reserved. And that's the first for me. That was so cool. <laughs> Usually, I just get a seat down there, you know, uh, as close to the cage as possible. But, but in this case, the good seats were sold out. And the only seats that were available were just ridiculously priced. I mean, it was just way out there. Anyway, I found this table through StubHub and, and took a leap. Uh, these tickets gave me access to all the VIP lounges at the T-Mobile Arena. And I said, you know, the hell with it. I want to see what it feels to be in those lounges. And uh, <laughs> it was really cool. I mean, it, I mean, it doesn't compare probably to the access that you've had in watching fights, you know, as a fighter. But, but man, let me tell you, the VIP lounges were really cool. Have you ever been in one, Joe? Nah, I never, never have been. But I've been in the cage getting punched in my face. <laughs> that was pretty. That was pretty close to the action. <laughs> but, but the VIP line sounds a lot more fun, probably. I mean, it was it was cool. I mean, you know, first, uh, first of all, the table had like a small screen to watch the fights and order drinks and food. It wasn't a big screen. We kind of just used it to order stuff and to watch some of the replays. The view of the fights from the table we had was pretty good. I mean, it wasn't like sitting, you know, K-side or something, but it was awesome. I mean, it was really cool. Uh, they actually had real food. Uh, they had uh, restrooms that uh, were not crowded. So what happens is that you get this table and, and, and they give you access to the lounges. And there's like a Bud Light lounge, the Jack Daniels lounge, and the 
uh, a Goose Lounge, I believe it was. So anyways, we, we headed over to uh, the Goose Lounge. Uh, it was awesome. They, they, they had uh, big screens there. They had uh, like real dinner. <laughs> so we were sitting in front of this big screen. We watched a couple of fights there on the undercard. It was awesome. I mean, um, and then uh, like towards the end of our dinner, we ran into, I ran into Eric Anders and another cool dude, man. This guy, again, without hesitation, graciously took a picture with me. I mean, all in all, all the fighters that I came across and the Schmo too were so cool, friendly, and just awesome. I mean, Joe, let me ask you this. In your experience, are most fighters that you've been around this cool, you know, like two fans were... Or, or have you seen an ugly side? Yeah, no, not personally. I've never seen um, a fighter act, you know, act up with the fan. Everybody's usually pretty cool, and and you know, pretty happy to take a picture with anybody. So, um, from my experience, yeah, the fighters are pretty friendly, pretty friendly guys, and I, kind of, I think most of them kind of like the attention, anyways. Uh, I mean, it was really cool. You know, the craziest part of the night was a Ben Askren Jorge Masvidal fight. I mean, damn, there was. So much electricity in the arena. You can feel it. The whole arena was pumped up. And then Jorge does what he did and causes another earthquake in Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, only, only Ben really felt that one. Huh? Um, I don't know, man. We all <laughs> felt it in there. I mean, it was, it was, I mean, I mean, the entire arena stood up. I mean, it was crazy. I mean, just the reaction of everyone. I mean, I don't know how it's, you saw it on TV. How did, how did the knockout look on TV? Yeah, no, like, it looked bad. I think it looked bad if you were there live or, or on TV. It was a, uh, you know, but a, an excellent time move and a great strategy by um, Jorge. You know, I don't know what they showed on TV. I haven't had a chance to run it back, but Ben Askren was off for a long time. I mean, the fans started getting concerned. I mean, it went from a roar almost to silence in like seconds. It was crazy. I mean, they even brought in a stretcher. Uh, I mean, it looked bad. His body was all contorted. His legs were like stiff and all the wrong directions. It, it was scary. I mean, but, you know, he finally woke up and was able to walk out with uh, without the stretcher. But he looked completely out of it. Joe, have you witnessed a knockout of that magnitude? I mean, it was like a seven on the Richter scale. I seen one knockout. I seen one of my friends get knocked out one time pretty. It was pretty gruesome. And, yeah, it was hard of... It was kind of hard to watch, and I was like, "Man, do I really want to keep up with this part?" After, <laughs> after seeing something like that, I was like, "Ooh, yeah, those those ones make you rethink some stuff." Sometimes when you watch those, those are really, really scary knockouts. So thank God I've never been knocked out that bad. You know, the only other time I witnessed something that you really don't see on TV was when I saw a submission uh, and a guy, a fighter, was put to sleep. Actually, I think it was in the Sacramento card when you were fighting TJ. I, th I think I remember when one of the fighters got submitted, I can't remember who it was, when he woke up, he went into a seizure, and, and that was kind of crazy and kind of scary for me. i never seen that before. I mean, they never show stuff like that on TV. And, I mean, that's the sort of stuff that doesn't get televised. Joe, from your experience, from you, what you witnessed, is that something that's common, or did I just witness something crazy? As far as the knockouts, yeah, I mean, and those, those aren't so common where a guy gets knocked out that, you know, I mean, I guess you see it bad, but... You're a little bit more used to seeing the knockouts than people passing out and start seizuring up like that. But I've trained with a lot of people, passed out a lot of people, choked out a lot of people, and you see that a lot where the body starts compulsing because they're trying to uh, convulsing because they're trying to get you know oxygen back in the system. But yeah, it's pretty normal when you see somebody shaking after they get passed out. Yeah, that was crazy. When I've I even that. heard of 
I've never seen it, but I've heard of people pooping their pants too. That's wow. Well, even getting knocked out, but as getting choked out also. That's like crazy. if you ate a burger before you trained or something, no. probably, <laughs> probably might happen. Don't go to the burger bar. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, one of the things I noticed over the years is that, uh, like all fighters, wrestlers develop habits that are extremely hard to break. In this case, as soon as Jorge charged by instinct, I think uh, a wrestler like Ben immediately changed levels and got caught. You're a wrestler, Joe. Was this a tactical mistake or more of an instinctual mistake on Ben's part? I think probably instinctual. I mean, it's an instinct. You see somebody charging out that you're going to change levels and shoot, you know. But if, like, I mean, you can't really say it was a bad decision because if he would have landed a takedown and that knee would have missed, then, you know, Jorge would have ended up on his back and... Maybe Ben stays on him for five minutes and submits him, and then we say, oh, that was dumb of Warhead running across the ring, giving himself up like that for a takedown. So, I mean, you can't really, if you're Ben, you can't really, you know, shoot yourself in the foot too much like that or think overthink it. It's just, you know, it happened, and you move on and and, and try to get the next one. You, you kind of just reminded me about what Kat Zingano did to Ronda Rousey. Remember when he he charged at her and yeah, she got caught immediately. I immediately, mean, yeah. So it could have gone that way. Too, yeah, huh? exactly. So it could have been, you know, could have went the other way. So it's easy to look back and say, oh, he shouldn't have did this. He did this wrong. But I mean, who knows what would have happened if yeah, Ben would have landed the takedown. Do you think that the way Ben lost? Do you think that because of how he lost, that other opponents will now be emboldened to take him on? How significant is this loss going forward for Ben? Yeah, I think um, right now the strikers will be emboldened because of what they've seen Robbie Lawler do, you know, um, pretty much lit him up, almost finished him, and now this. So strikers are definitely probably got some confidence going into a fight with Ben Askren, but he could easily shut that down with another win, a dominating win, you know. So if he just turns things around and gets on a win streak, then, you know, it changes the narrative of his story. Now, Jorge, he's probably now going to get a shot at the title or at least a fight for the number one spot against Colby Covington. These are both wrestlers, just like Ben. Do you think that Jorge has the experience and the style to take on one of these high-caliber wrestlers? Can Jorge cause another earthquake? Yeah, I think, I mean, he's, I can never count him out. That guy's an amazing fighter. He's an amazing athlete. And, uh, you know, I think he could beat anybody in the world even given any given day. So... It's all about um, you know who shows up better that night, but yeah, I think obviously the I think it'd be a tougher style going up against a wrestler. I think wrestlers, you know, it'd be a tough style for him to beat. But he could be like he could be right there, you know, he could be a champion possibility. All right, well that does it for International Fight Week. If you like this show, please go to your favorite platform and support our show. You can subscribe on any of the major platforms like Spotify, Google Podcasts, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Again, we can be found at mmmath.xyz. And that does it for today. Thanks for listening. Until next time, fight on.